things that I think you'll find us doing every so often in the summertime is, we, is, is taking up a topic uh, instead of our normal practice of just one verse. Um, so I, I know there's a, a, a couple more topics that are going to be taken up, uh, including prayer, which is closely related to fasting next week. Uh, and Kyle wants to do something on service. So that's just a kind of an orientation to what you're hearing about right now. But tonight we're going to deal with fasting. Um, it, it, we haven't talked about it in some time, and I've been surprised by how many people um, have mentioned to me their desire to learn more about it, and also having not heard anything on it before here. So it's been a while, and I just want to take us briefly um, through uh, the discipline of fasting tonight in four points, if you're taking notes. What is it? Why do we do it? When do we do it? What are the benefits? So, what is fasting? Why do we fast? When do we, should we fast? And what are the benefits? <clears throat> so first, <clears throat> just what is it? Let me kind of define, technically speaking, what fasting is. Technically speaking, it is choosing not to indulge in food and sustenance. Uh, the, the biblical practice of fasting normally involved not eating anything from sunup to sundown. So 12 hours, or perhaps from sundown to sundown, which is 24 hours. Absolute fast, that sometimes people think of when they think of fasting, is, is no food or water, and it, and it rarely would go beyond 12 hours without any kind of water. But here's another way, sort of beyond technical definitions, here's another way of defining fasting at its essence. John Piper calls it whole body hungering for God whole body hungering for God. Talking about the early church saints, he writes, they were hungry enough for God's leading that they wanted to say it with the hunger of their bodies and not just the hunger of their hearts. Scott Manite says that fasting is the natural, inevitable response of a person to a grievous sacred moment in life. I think it was beyond that, but, that, but that's also helpful. He expands, choosing not to eat or drink is how a person naturally responds to a grievous sacred moment. So if you've ever experienced the death of a loved one or someone very close to you, you just, you're just not hungry. It's a natural response. Furthermore, he says, I also believe fasting is inevitable if we encounter a certain kind of sacred moment. Next, and perhaps most important, I believe fasting is a response to a serious or grievous sacred moment. People fasted in the Bible in response to some grievous event like death or the realization of sin or when the nation was threatened. So to understand fasting rightly, we have to understand what it means to be a human being, really. And by that, I mean the fact that we are whole beings, spiritual and physical we're physical and spiritual beings. So those two relate to one another. And too often we, we, we separate those things. So I think one of the reasons that we have neglected this really common ancient practice of fasting is due to an unhealthy view of the body today. Philosophically, we tend to gravitate towards dualism, which would have us view the spiritual disciplines as spiritual just that. Spiritual disciplines are just spiritual. So this might be the most misunderstood spiritual discipline for that reason. 
We don't get fasting. It seems very foreign to us. It's confusing because what does not eating food, this very physical practice, have to do with our spiritual lives? We, we miss the biblical view of embodied spirituality, a, a living out in the body that would, what we desire and yearn, yearn for in our spirit. We actually see this relationship between body and spiritual realities in the very beginning, right? In Genesis 1 and 2. God creates us male and female in his image. And the way that we express God's image as male and female has very specific God-giving callings that express themselves physically. So, to say, and to save the world from the curse of sin, God had to come in bodily form. Jesus had to live and die as a physical human being before God, uh, like live that life un- before God and then suffer the curse of sin and wrath of God on the cross. And then he had to be physically resurrected from the grave. And it's by believing that we are spiritually made new and have the hope of resurrected bodies. So again, even in the, the gospel that, that I've just shared, and that if you believe Jesus has taken on a, bodily, a body for you, and a spiritual and physical death for you, and has been raised by God to, in, in physical form, and will come back physically. Like, believe in that gospel and being saved spiritually it is both a, a, a body and soul reality. The, the gospel includes both. Actually, if you do a word study uh, in the Bible in regards to our image, you find all of these aspects as one organic unit. Soul, flesh, spirit, heart, body, mind, spirit, and will. To be created in God's image means that to be an organic unit of all those things. All those things work together in every human being. So if you don't get much sleep, for example... Well, your mind doesn't work as well, your body's tired, and you probably know that you're more likely to sin and probably, you know, give in to things like complaining and anger, right? So this, this physical reality of not sleeping actually leads to spiritual rebellion of some kind. Okay, so that's who we are as people. Fasting is the natural response of a unified person. Fasting is the body talking to what the spirit yearns, what the soul longs for, and what the mind knows to be true. See, oftentimes as Christians, we're very disintegrated. You know, we've, we've fallen into sin, and our, our, our spirit hurts over that, but then we go and have a meal. And the body enjoys that. That's, that's a bit disintegrated in, in, in some sense. You know? So what fasting it does is it, is it joins the immaterial with the material. Body and soul are, are worshiping God together. They're responding to, to, to God's actions in our lives together. So one application of this is if you want to grow in fasting, you want to get a good theology of the body. You won't fast rightly or even desire it without it. You will either place too little importance on the body or too great of importance on the body. We'll either serve our bodies or we'll neglect our bodies. This is also why a media fast, 
which is something we talk about in our family, but uh, it's actually not fasting. Um, that's called practicing abstinence. It just doesn't sound as good to say I'm practicing media abstinence. It's a good thing to do, but it's not fasting. That's not the spiritual discipline of fasting. Because you can go without TV or the iPad, and you can survive. You know, it, it won't affect the whole makeup of your body. It's, it's food that does that. That's, that's the way God has designed it. So that is what fasting is. Whole body worship, so to speak. Why do we do it? Why, why fast? Well, let me say why we don't fast. It's, it's not to manipulate God. We don't want to think of fasting as when you really you know, need something or want something, you should fast because then God will pay attention to you and you'll get what you want. Uh, that, that's pagan theology. That's literally how you know, Baal was treated. Does fasting bring results? Yes, maybe, sometimes, in the same way that prayer brings results. It's, it's, it's the chosen means by which God will accomplish his will in your life. But it's not because you've fasted. It's the means he's chosen to accomplish his will. If he doesn't do what you pray for in fasting, it's still beneficial to you. It's still right for you to do. It's still God-glorifying because it's a response. It's, it's never an instrumental practice in which we try to receive something. We go without food because of what has taken place in our hearts. So I'm just going to say it again just so we can get it. We, we do not fast to get something. It's a response. If you get that backwards, then you'll make fasting less a responsive act of worship and more of a manipulative act towards God. So other reasons you don't fast then. You, you don't do it for the praise of men, Matthew 6.16. You don't do it to use God. You don't do it to earn God's approval. You do it towards God in response to sacred moments in your life. So that brings us to the third point. When do we do it? Well, um, three, three major reasons, I think, here with a couple of subpoints. <laughs> uh, first, we can fast as a companion to prayer as an act of body and soul pleading, right? Prayer is, is deeply spiritual. It is soul work. But it's also whole body activity. So sometimes when we pray, we kneel. And, and that's significant. That's communicating something with our body before God. Uh, sometimes we raise our hands. We often bow our heads. We close our eyes. And sometimes we fast. So in the same way that all those so bodily positions are involved in the prayer, they mean something, well, so does fasting when you pray. Psalm 30, 35, 13 through 14 says, Yet when they were sick, my, clothes was, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting, and my prayer was genuine. I went about grieving as if for my friend or brother. I was bowed down with grief like one mourning a mother. So, David's sadness, his, his, his praying, isn't yet sort of fully complete, so to speak, as a response to his situation in Psalm 35, until his whole body is involved. In this case, he, he fasts. He doesn't just pray. Um, he covers himself with sackcloth. 
and he fasts. Because he's not just a floating spirit in the air. He's a physical person. So it makes sense that he would respond in, in ways that go beyond just talking, perhaps. doesn't mean you'll always have to do something like that. I'm just kind of tying these things together. So it's just a companion to prayer. That's for sure. When we, when we fast, we ought to pray. But second, we, we may fast with prayer as an act of intercession for the different points in our life where God is clearly at work or where we need him to work. And we feel that. So, for example, these are sort of subpoints: intercession for the sick. We read in 2 Samuel chapter 12, 15 through 17, that the Lord struck the baby that Uriah's wife had born to David and he became ill. David pleaded with God for the boy. He fasted, went home, and spent the night lying on the ground. The elders of his house stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he was unwilling and would not eat anything with them. So, as intercession for the sick, he he fasted. Uh, We can also do this for repentance. Joel chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Even now, this is the Lord's declaration. Turn to me with all your heart. With fasting, weeping, and mournings. Tear your hearts, not just your clothes, and return to the Lord. For he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in faithful love, and he relents from sending disaster. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. So you can offer grain and wine to the Lord your God, blow the horn in Zion, announce a sacred fast. So again, this was, this was the nation responding to their sin. And the way that they were called to respond by, by the prophet Joel is to announce the sacred fast, to repent. And so it, we, we can fast in response to our own sin or the effects of sin or in response to any need that we're, where we're saying, God, I, I am broken. I am nothing. I, I, I need to hear from you. Fasting gets our hearts and our bodies involved in such a way that we're declaring our need for God. And I just think that sometimes this is really neglected when we fall into sin. We don't think of fasting. If we do, we think of it maybe as some sort of ascetic practice, right, where we're punishing ourselves for our sin. Well, I'm not going to eat. And we don't want to fast that way in response to sin. But it can be very appropriate. If you are broken, right, your spirit is hurting because you've rebelled against God or you've been called out by a brother or sister and you're like, man, I, I, I need to respond to that. It can be helpful to you spiritually to actually align your heart with your body. Go ahead and fast and get all that together before the Lord. He will use that. Uh, another way we can, we can fast uh, is, as an intercession is we can fast for spiritual blessing. So Acts 14.23 says that when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So they're they're getting ready to to send Paul and Barnabas out on uh, the church in Antioch. Anyway, they were sending Paul and Barnabas out to plant churches, and they decided to fast for that sending. Along these lines, Andrew Murray said about fasting that it helps us to express, to deepen, to confirm the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything, even ourselves, to attain the kingdom of God. Because when we're fasting, we're demonstrating our need for God. The wisdom of the ages, thinking about spiritual blessing, is that people fast to communicate with God in spiritually dry times. Okay, so if you're, if you're feeling dry, 
uh, when God seems to be absent, that's a good time to fast. Right? Like, Lord, I'm just not hungry for you. Okay, well, get your body hungry. <laughs> and let that teach your spirit, align your spirit with your hunger for God. You know, when the, when the, ark, leaves Sam, when the ark leaves Jerusalem, uh, Samuel calls for a fast. Um, not Jerusalem, but when the ark leaves God's people. He calls for a fast because the absence of God's presence meant the absence of God's blessing with his people. Fasting was a yearning for God, and God blessed that. So we can fast for spiritual blessing as well. Okay, so uh, when do we fast? As a companion to prayer, as intercession in prayer, but also as a sacred rhythm. Uh, That's just another way of saying it's a spiritual discipline that will produce spiritual benefits in our life. Jesus assumes that Christians will fast. Speaking to his disciples in Matthew 6.16, he said, when you fast. Sort of like when you pray, not if you pray, but when you fast. He assumes it. He doesn't have to tell them to do this. It's just always been the case that God's people fasted. And he expects his people to do so. So Luke 5.35, Jesus says, But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. And that's what we find the church doing in Acts chapter 13. So, very practically then, there are lots of reasons and times that you might want to take up the spiritual discipline and just make it a regular part of your life. When someone we love is sick... We can fast for revival in our church and ourselves. We can fast for spiritual growth. We can fast to seek God's will in an important decision. Because again, you're just communicating, I need you. God, in the same way I need food, I need wisdom for this decision. We can fast for someone's salvation. God, I can't do this. Right? I need you, like I need food, to save this person. We can, we can fast for overcoming an addiction, like we read about in Isaiah 56. We can fast during times of great loss or grief, like when a loved one dies. We can fast for any number of reasons that are very personal to us, like I mentioned in repenting sin. Some of the ways that we've done this as a, as a church, on a, on a church-wide level or a community level in the past, um, is for Becky Reese, you know, when she came back from Liberia. And was just in a in a great um, struggle from that. Um, many of you many of you have prayed for my sister, and we we organized a fast for her. We've done this for the Fournier family. We've fasted for Jesse because we're as a church coming together, saying, "Lord, we're responding to something that is going on underneath Your sovereignty in our lives. That is that is something we want to we want to put back to You, and just with our whole selves." Worship and call on you. Augustine reminds his readers to fast because it is sometimes necessary to check the delight of the flesh in respect to licit, lawful or good pleasures, in order to keep it from yielding illicit joys. We'll talk about that in just a second with the benefits. But John Calvin said that when, whenever men are to pray to God, or wherever men are to pray to God concerning any great matter, it would be expedient to appoint fasting along with prayer. Their sole purpose in this kind of fasting is to render themselves more eager and unencumbered for prayer. With a full stomach, our mind is not so lifted up to God. So that's when, lastly, briefly, what are the benefits of this? 
Well, I, I think there are some there are physical benefits. You can talk to Christina Brooks as a nutritionist. I'm sure she can tell you. There there are benefits, right, Christina? Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, but spiritually, spiritual benefits here. If 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 the sacred moments in our lives are are something like death, or sin, or fear, or some sort of threat, or need, or sickness. And the response that we make is fasting. Well, then the spiritual benefits of that are going to be something like life and forgiveness, safety and hope, answers and peace, communion with God, healing, or just general health. But it's a discipline. And so like all discipline, the benefits aren't always immediate. You know, um, you, can't, you can't just run one time. And get the benefits of running. So if you fast once, I mean, I, I think it'll be somewhat beneficial. But there, you need sort of a rhythm of fasting for it to really, I think, grow you spiritually in this way. So, for example, I, I think I've learned over time to let fasting teach me how to pray. You know, so after a while, you, you, you just begin to pray out of that feeling for hunger. So you, you, your, your, your words... Just sort of take on the the uh, the need, you know, or the yearning. They that 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 my need for God of prayer just just comes through. Really, my my soul, um, my soul begins to match up with my hunger, and so it just starts to teach me how to pray. I think better. Uh, the discipline of denying a bodily urge, like a desire for pleasure, or a a need that my body has, all for God's sake is hugely helpful. That is, a, that is a tool you want to sharpen. So I'm just going to try to say it again, because this is what's happening in fasting. You are denying a bodily urge for pleasure or a need, and you're doing it for God's sake. Well, that, I, I just want us all to have that sort of sharp tool in our tool belt. Think about how that might be related to a struggle with anger or with sexual sin. I mean, both those things, which are coupled together in the Bible oftentimes, anger and sexual sin, both those things are strong bodily urges that also feel like I just have to give into it. Well, if I can learn to deny food, which my body knows as pleasure and a need, I, I, can, I can grow in my ability to fight other types of bodily urges and needs, right? Sin that's involved there. I think fasting helps us prioritize God in all areas of our lives um, because food is our most basic need. So if we can learn to fast as a regular discipline when otherwise we wouldn't, then probably the less the lesser the less priorities in our life that tend to come in and take take over our lives, we, we can probably manage those better when we can take care of the most basic, most powerful one. So it's just, it's just good for discipline all the way around so that we bring all of our life uh, into conformity with God's will for us. Uh, to just draw it back to this morning, I think fasting can help us focus on God and his kingdom. Uh, eating food is, is the most acceptable form of hedonism. Not always hedonism, but, but, but you need food. And so oftentimes... Um, we're eating 
but oftentimes we're not eating out of a need. We're just, we're just eating. A fasting teaches us that actually we don't live just by bread alone. We need God. We need to feed on Him. So we need His Word. And we need the bread of life. Life is more than the body. Life is more than food. Right? So fasting can help us redirect our hunger, not just away from food, but away from the things of this world, and instead to focus on Christ, just as we thought about this morning. So we'll pray in just a second. But I, I hope if you're coming away from this morning, say, I just, yes, I need to focus on Christ more. Uh, I mean, I, as I said, I, I was convicted at the kitchen table this morning going over the sermon. Man, I. I need this word today because I'm so easily distracted. Fasting, I think, as a regular discipline can help us to focus on Christ as we bring body and soul in alignment with his will. Let's pray. God, we do pray that you would help us focus on Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that we would be people who submit every part of us, body and soul, to your word. And that you would strengthen us to do this. And that you might use fasting as a spiritual discipline to help us. So, Lord, do this, we pray, for our good and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.